You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. This episode of The Assembly Call is brought to you by SeatGeek. As you know, buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated and confusing. But there is a better way to buy, and that is with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There is nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it is by far the easiest way that I have found to shop for tickets because I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats, uh, and I plan to use this. My wife and I have a 17-month-old, haven't been a lot of nights out recently, but we plan to have one soon, and we will definitely be using SeatGeek to find concert tickets so that we can go out and enjoy a nice evening, and we know that SeatGeek will make the ticket buying experience easier than ever because it saves us time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And best of all, Assembly Call listeners get $20 off of your first SeatGeek purchase. So just download the SeatGeek app, enter the promo code ASSEMBLY today, and you will get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. That is promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. This is our 57th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 366th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, December 28th, 2017. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this week how we begin every episode of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And obviously, not a lot happened in the world of IU basketball this week as the guys got to go home and enjoy a little bit of time for Christmas break. And then by all accounts, at least by the account that matters, which is Archie Miller's, uh, the guys have had some really good workouts and some good practices leading into tomorrow's uh, game, Friday's game against Youngstown State, and then obviously the Big Ten season. But there were a couple of comments that Archie made, uh, both in his meeting with the media uh, Thursday afternoon and then on his radio show Thursday night that really stood out to me. Uh, And they are this week's banner moment. Uh, One concerned Al Durham and Justin Smith, a couple of freshmen uh, who obviously have had some big moments this year, played some big minutes at times, but have seen their roles dwindle a little bit over the past few weeks. And I think you could certainly kind of craft a narrative, you know, if you wanted to, you know, kind of projecting how things might have gone with those guys home at Christmas where maybe they go home and their family members are asking them why they're not playing as much. And, you know, they start to get frustrated about their role, yada, yada. But it sounds like the exact opposite has happened because Archie was effusive in his praise of both of those guys 
calling them out by name, and he wasn't necessarily asked about them. He volunteered their names as guys who have really had good practices since Christmas. And he, he mentioned Justin Smith in particular on his radio show saying, I've been really encouraged by Justin Smith, especially post-Christmas. He's probably had three of his best days as an Indiana player. So considering you know how easy it might be for freshmen, and particularly these freshmen who have seen their roles kind of be juggled, uh, how easy it might be for them to struggle and be down a little bit and take a little bit of time to get back after the Christmas break, I think that's really, really encouraging uh, that those guys have that level of maturity and competitiveness and commitment. Uh, and I think it certainly bodes, bodes well for what they can contribute this year and obviously in the future. And speaking about contributions in the future... A guy that we don't talk about a lot is Race Thompson, who was originally a member of the class of 2018, reclassified to join Indiana this year, and is redshirting. And you know, we talk about all the guys coming in next year, and, and a lot of times we forget that Race is, is part of that recruiting class, will be a freshman eligibility-wise next year, able to help the team. But Archie had some really strong comments about him on his radio show saying, uh, quote, Race has gotten into the best shape of his life. And Stu Jackson uh, uh, transcribed these and put them on Twitter. So thanks for that, Stu. Uh, but Race has gotten into the best shape of his life. He's stronger up top. He's developed his legs, his lower body. He's given us another guy that's physical. He's really blossomed here in the last month. And I give a lot of credit to his work ethic. And I also give a lot of credit to Cliff Marshall. That's quoting Archie Miller there. So I think the, the continued development of Race Thompson and his ability to learn the system and be you know, so many steps ahead of where he would be if he were an incoming freshman next year, that is obviously a great, great sign for the future. It won't help Indiana this year, but it's a great sign for the future of the program. And a guy that we need to remember is going to be a key piece, you know, not just next year, but moving forward as well. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show, Andy Bottoms, who is usually to my left, is currently celebrating his fantasy football championship. Congratulations, Andy. Don't drink too much. Uh, to my right, we have someone who loves seeing his name in lights so much that he has contemplated more than once sponsoring his own college football bowl game. He is a columnist for the big lead, and he is a man who, unsurprisingly, did not receive a Christmas card from Mike Krzyzewski this year. He also didn't send Coach K-1 either, and tonight we're going to find out why. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, what is your rant from the past week in Indiana basketball? That was that was quite a tease, uh, Jared. <laughs> we're finally going to find out why I dislike Mike Krzyzewski so much. Uh, you know, I think that I, I'm just going to echo what you said. I, I think that it, it was actually... I was flying uh, to Connecticut to see my family for Christmas. My my sister lives out there with my brother-in-law and f my lovely two nieces and two nephews. And I was on the plane and I decided, you know what, I'm going to kind of look at some footage of the guys um, who were coming in next year. Because, you know, it's been a while since we've really talked about that recruiting class. And, um, you know, a lot of focus has been on Romeo Langford and whether he'll come. But I wanted to look at the other guys. And, and one of the guys I focused on heavily, because I realized we don't talk about him even as much as the guys that are, are you know, signed in November, was Race Thompson. I wanted to kind of go back and look at some of his footage. And, and oddly enough, with Jawan Morgan playing so well for Indiana this year, the guy Race Thompson reminds me of, if I had to pick a player in college basketball reminds me of, is Jawan Morgan. And it was kind of odd that I kind of came to that realization. And then this week, Archie Miller was was offering up some uh, some praise of him. It was it, it's it's interesting because I, I do think that he's a guy who can really impact the game coming forward. I think he's a guy who 
when Juwan Morgan uh, signed, I, I thought that he would be a guy who, by the end of his playing career, would be an All Big Ten player kind of player had the potential to be that if he developed. And I get the same with with Race Thompson. That's the way I feel. I don't necessarily think he's going to be an All American, you know, in his first two years on campus. But he's a guy who I think can be an All Big Ten type guy if he develops properly by the end of his time on campus. And honestly, if you want to win in college basketball, those are the kind of guys you need on your team. I mean, long term, you need guys who are going to develop over time and become better and become the kind of guys you can rely on as veterans at the next, you know, in college and, and you know, sort of at their, you know, as they get older. And and I think that we're starting to see that out of a guy like Juwan Morgan this year. And I think that's the path Reese Thompson has to follow. Yeah, impact the game as a freshman, sophomore, hopefully stay healthier than Juwan did. Uh, but, you know, by the time you're a junior, be able to impact the game on a next level basis the way a veteran should. And uh, so that got me really excited about race. And then I thought it was great that that Archie, you know, discussed him um also seems like some of these guys just really needed a break guys like you know al durham and justin smith this is their first time going through the stuff they're going through as freshmen in college uh, on this level and, and it looked like giving them a break for a few days maybe getting to go home and sort of recharge has really helped them so uh, i think that's a positive and hopefully we'll see more from them um as as the season goes along because i mean we certainly know they have the talent to to affect games and and to really help this team all right, so here's what we are going to discuss this week. It is late December. Ryan, you have often said this year, don't judge this team until late December. Well, now it's time to judge this team and kind of assess where these guys are at. So we're going to spend some time doing that. Uh, and as I mentioned, we, we have teased for a while, uh, you know, Ryan, his hatred of Coach K, why that is, what are the stories behind that. And so since it's just us and not a lot has happened in between our last show and now, this seemed like the best week to do that because a lot of you have been asking for it and for us to do that. So we will do that on this week's show. Uh, and then we're going to answer your questions. Uh, a bunch of you sending questions on Twitter and in our Slack group. Um, and so we're going to kind of pepper those throughout here. And then we have some at the end of the show as well. All of that. Coming here on Assembly Call Radio, before we move forward, a quick reminder, the next time that you are looking for tickets to a sporting event or to a concert, remember our friends at SeatGeek. And you can obviously download their app, and we recommend that. It's an incredibly uh, convenient and easy app to use. But if you also want just an easy-to-remember URL that will take you directly to the IU basketball ticket listings on SeatGeek's website, use this URL, iutickets.shop, not .com, but .shop. And, you know, so just an example, you know, if you want to get tickets to any of Indiana's Big Ten games, whether it be the road games uh, in Bloomington or, or, or the, the, the home games in Bloomington or the road games anywhere, SeatGeek has you covered. They have all of those games listed there if you go to the page at iutickets.shop, and they'll have the best price that you'll find anywhere. So check out the latest ticket deals for IU tickets on the SeatGeek app or, again, at iutickets.shop. And if it's your first time using SeatGeek, don't forget the promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y. Use it when you make your first purchase, and you will get $20 back after that purchase. Again, the promo code is ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y. All righty. You are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips. So, Ryan, here we go. It's time to judge this team. It's late December. 
Uh, I hosted an episode of podcast on the brink this week with Alex Bozich, and we, you know, kind of went in and, and did five takeaways uh, from this season so far. And so I don't want to repeat myself too much from what I said there. Although I highly recommend everybody obviously listen to and subscribe to podcast on the brink. Um, but I have some additional thoughts that I want to discuss here on this show. But I want to give you the floor first because you have been very consistent, probably the most consistent on the show in terms of look. I'm not going to offer an assessment right now. Wait till late December. Uh, you know that. That's the first time that we can really kind of take a step back and say anything meaningful about this team. Uh, so let's do it. Let's take a step back, say something meaningful about this team. What, what's your assessment about you know what you've seen after 13 games? Man, late December came quick, huh? Um, <laughs> maybe I kind of regret that decision. Uh, you know, I look. I, let's take the Fort Wayne game out of consideration for right now, for the for the purposes of this, because if you look at that game in the context of where this team was headed, it looks like an aberration. Uh, it, it looks like just a bad game where they played terribly. They reverted to a lot of their old uh, problems that we saw last year and, and and just kind of, you know, floundered against the team they should have absolutely destroyed. Um, if you do that and you look at it, you see a team that's progressively getting better. Uh, which is all you can ask for. And and also, I think that after the Notre Dame game, our assessment was that this was a team that if it did the things it's supposed to do, which is take care of the ball, defend at least, they don't have to be perfect defensively, but defend with effort and, and, and discipline. And I would say maybe throw and make your free throws off of that. You, you, you do those three things, and this team's going to be in every game this year. It has the potential to be. It may not be, but it has the potential to be. Michigan State, obviously, on the road at the Breslin Center is going to be a tough one. Uh, but, you know, it has a chance. They have a chance to play with every team they face this year uh, if they do those three things. Um, I still feel that way. I mean, the, the, the Fort Wayne game was as crushing a loss, I think, based on the way things were going, as I think we've had in a while for an Indiana team. Because last year there were some crushing defeats. But we had no idea what that team was, you know, all year. And we didn't know what to do with it, you know, and, and how to classify it. That was as crushing and as shocking a loss as we've seen in a long time. I thought there'd be a letdown. I wrote it on Twitter right after the Notre Dame game. And I thought there'd be a letdown for the, Port, for the Fort Wayne game. I didn't expect a letdown like that, though, where there's just a lack of effort and focus and concentration. Um, but then you come out and you do what you're supposed to do against Tennessee Tech. Um, and now you're facing the Youngstown team that you should absolutely annihilate. And then you go at Wisconsin and at Minnesota. Those are going to be two tough games. But if Indiana can play with both of those teams, it's tough because of the location, not because the teams are that good. But it's always tough to win at the Kohl Center, and it's always tough to win at Minnesota at the barn. So if this team over the next three games can show the same things that they were showing about a month, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, I feel pretty good about where they are as far as building something. Um, but yeah, that Fort Wayne loss is going to stick with me for a while because I, the fact that they just did not show up really gives me pause because when a team doesn't show up, there's the potential they won't show up at another point during this year. Um, but as for right now, I'm going to give them the benefit of the, the doubt. Say that game was 48 hours after the Notre Dame loss. They were exhausted they came out flat, they didn't play well, and they just kind of collapsed. We'll Let's say that to be nice to them. 
if you consider it that way, I don't know. That, that's don't that's very charitable. Here's the it's thing. It's very charitable. It's very charitable. Let, what let I'm me say, say this. is, okay, let me finish. finish. Let me finish, finish real quick, though. If you take that game out and you look at the way they played against Tennessee Tech and Notre Dame and Louisville and Iowa and Duke and, and the second half of the Michigan game, which we knew there'd be a letdown because of the emotion of the Duke game, you see a pattern that's kind of, okay, that's pretty fairly consistent. And the Fort Wayne game was completely out of left field from that development. So I'm not saying we forgive and forget the Fort Wayne game. I'm saying for the for the purposes of this exercise, I'm taking that out to kind of see where I feel about this team. And I kind of still feel the same way I did, that they're consistently getting better and doing better. But yeah, that Fort Wayne game is making it really hard for me to make that assessment. So again, it's really hard to make that assessment right now because that game is sitting there. If that game isn't sitting there, you kind of feel like there's a pattern to what's going on here. And there's a slow kind of build and development and improvement. But again, with that game there, you're like, well, that throws it out the window. So I kind of I'm, I'm kind of really waiting to see how they do in these next three games to decide whether or not I throw my NCAA tournament hopes out the window or not. And I mean, that's a reasonable way to look at it, because I, I do agree with you. If you take that game out, there were so many good things happening. And yes. that Notre Dame win really seemed like kind of a crescendo of, 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 a, a, of a steady progression. Build. Yeah, a steady progression of improvement that we saw. I think what the Fort Wayne game did is it reminded us all that no-shows are just in the DNA of this collection of players. And we saw it last year from a lot of these guys who are playing prominent roles this year, uh, you know, that there would be games last year we just didn't know what to expect, and there was kind of a no-show. And so I think while we may have hoped that that Indiana State game was isolated to the beginning of the season, you know, a bunch of players with a new coach and just a a perfect storm of, of awfulness that happened, the Fort Wayne game showed that, okay, now it's happened twice. And granted, yeah. you know, there aren't any more games against, you know, sub-150 in-state teams at Simon Scott Assembly Hall left on the schedule. So who, you know, I mean, that's, you know, that, that's, that's, that's a relief, right? But still, oh, thank the Lord. But, but still it, it's in the DNA of these guys. Like we've seen, you know, guys like Robert Johnson and Josh Newkirk just have total no-show game. You know I mean? Robert Johnson doesn't score against Louisville in, you know, in one of those games where it felt like Indiana looked better. I think... There's a chance that, look, that game is a negative, no doubt about it, for the rest of the season. It's going to hang on Indiana's yeah. resume. There's no, I'm not saying it's a positive, but I think one positive that can come out of it is I think Archie Miller learned about this collection of players, what we know about this collection of players, which is that they're likable and they're good guys. And for the most part, they play really hard and they try to do things the right way. But man, there are some times when they just don't show up and you've got to stay on them. And that's, you know, Archie talked about that again today in his media availability. You know, I think Mike Miller from the Herald Times asked him, you know, if he can ease up a little bit. And he's like, no, like we've got to stay on these guys and challenge them. And he mentioned after the, the Tennessee Tech game that he was going to have to be a raving lunatic before every game. And so I think if there's something that came out of that Fort Wayne game, I think it gave Archie a you know, it really let him understand, you know, what this team is. And, and maybe he it's understood wake up it before, call. but yeah. It was and a wake-up so, call for everybody. Yeah, and so maybe that helps him know what buttons to buttons to push in the future that he's got to be that leader that they that they don't have internally. So, uh, you know, but I, I, I think you're right, and I think we're going to learn a lot. You know, I don't think we're going to learn a ton against Youngstown State, but I do think we'll learn a lot through the first four Big Ten games. And so I think it's fair to assess this team as – overall 
progressing forward and being better despite a couple of giant steps back at times. Um, still, I think, more reasons to be encouraged than discouraged. And after 13 games with a new coach, I think overall that's a good place to be. Yeah, and I'm definitely, I don't want people to get the wrong, I'm not discounting what that Fort Wayne loss meant. I'm just saying if you're trying to consider where this team is and who they are and and don't judge them and all this stuff that I've been saying, don't judge them till late December, well, I'm taking that out to sort of see a progression. And yeah, because if you make the argument that, well, they're progressing, then you put that Fort Wayne loss back in, it completely throws it out the window. So I'm treating it as sort of, based on the other evidence, I don't think we'll see much of that the rest of the year based on the other evidence since, you know, the Indiana state loss. Um, I think a first half against Michigan and the Fort Wayne game are the two things that stand out as, Oh man, where did this come from? And then other than that, it's looked like a steady progression of, of a team getting better under a new coach and guys fitting into new roles and, and sort of seamlessly, Try, you know, not seamlessly, but starting to fit in to those roles, I guess. Yep. All right. Coming up on the assembly call, we have a, a few more topics here to hit as we assess the team. And then once we get done with that, we're going to talk Coach K uh, and Ryan's history with Coach K. Coming up on the assembly call. Hey, just a real quick note here. The next time that you are going to shop online for IU gear, use the URL iustore.shop. That will take you to the official IU online store where they have anything you could possibly want. Candy stripe pants, the script Indiana warm-up shirt, all kinds of IU gear. And that URL, iustore.shop, is actually our affiliate URL. So when you use it and buy something, we get paid a commission. So it's a great way for you to shop for the IU gear that you need and to support the assembly call at the same time. Again, the URL is iustore.shop. Please bookmark it and use it the next time you're looking to buy IU gear. We appreciate it. Now back to the show. You're listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy. No, I'm not here with Andy Bottoms. I'm here with Ryan Phillips. Uh, Don't forget, if you ever have to miss all or part of an episode of Assembly Call Radio, there are two great ways to catch up. You can subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Assembly Call. Or you can join our live Thursday night broadcast or watch the video replays by subscribing to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assembly call. I feel like Ron Burgundy. It was on the sheet, so I said it. <laughs> and I and I put the sheet together. <laughs> How dare you confuse us? Oh. Oh, I feel dirty right now. <laughs> All right, so we are assessing... Uh, Indiana after 13 games, you know, Ryan has talked about how you got to wait till late December to assess this team. So we are, uh, and we got a couple of good questions that will help us move further with this assessment. Uh, this question came in from, uh, Jared Beamer in our Skype group. And we have a, a really, a good kind of growing Skype discussion group. If you, if you want to get in on that, just shoot me an email, Jared at assemblycall.com. Uh, there's some good discussions going on in there. Uh, but his question, and it, it dovetails a little bit with what we were talking about at the end of that first segment, Ryan, what does Coach Miller's reaction to the Fort Wayne loss and the team's strong rebound performance tell you, if anything, about what to expect from the Archie Miller era in terms of coaching and team style? Uh, and this is still the question. I think it was a bit of an awakening for him in terms of what it will take to coach this team. Uh, and is it an overreaction to think that it was for the better in terms of his overall coaching career? Um, I kind of gave you my thoughts on that. Uh, what do you think about that? You know, I, I, what I said during the break, I, 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 to you about this was, you know what, I'd rather have that loss happen this year than next year. 
you, you know, and, and have him have to deal with it now rather than later. And, and because this is not his, you know, a, a lot of these guys aren't his guys and, and they're not the guys that he would necessarily pick out of a lineup to be, you know, on his team and playing major minutes. And, and so you can kind of explain away some of these ridiculous performances like Indiana state in this as guys who just don't fit his system. Now, if they happen next year, then we've got a problem and, and that's an issue. Um, so you can kind of, again, you're, you're kind of excusing it a little for now uh, because of sort of the issues. But one thing I'll say about the bounce back for this team was I'm going to have to guess that Archie put the fear of God into the team. And, and it was not a pleasant week a- after the Fort Wayne loss. I mean, and, he basically said that. I mean, he said he and, basically and, challenged each guy individually. And, and he should have. And the fact that he was willing to do that and took it seriously and didn't kind of play it off as well. It was just one game. It was a bad performance. He took it personally and seriously and went after the guys is a positive because you've got to hold guys accountable. I mean, I know they're college kids. They've got a lot going on. It was mid-December. It was, you know, they're ready to go on break and they just come off a big win. And all that. But no, you have to hold guys accountable or, you know, there's no point in, in any of this. And, and so uh, especially when there aren't leaders on the team holding each other accountable and holding the other players accountable. So. I would say I think it was a it was a ringing positive that they came out and looked focused. And, you know, I watched the game on on delay. I didn't get to see it live, but uh, because I was traveling. But, uh, you know, it looked they looked like from minute one, they were going to hammer the other team, regardless of who was put in front of them. And, you know, that you have to give the credit to that, to the coaching for getting them prepared to do that. And then for the players for executing and coming out and getting it done. So I think that you got to give credit in both places. Um, now, again, that's a team that Indiana should crush no matter what. But at the same time, they came out and did it and they looked like they were intent on doing it the whole way. Uh, so that's a positive. And, yeah, I think you've got to give Archie Miller credit for, you know, not letting them slide on and having just such an embarrassing performance at home. Yeah, I mean, he's laying the foundation for a program and there have to be standards and he's not going to let guys perform below those standards. I mean, well, I mean, obviously it happened, but he's not going to let that snowball. He's not going to let it be repeated. Well, he's not going to let it stand. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can, you can have a bad performance, but how do you react to that bad performance? Teams, every team is going to have a bad performance during the season. That's just, you know, there's a reason teams go, don't go undefeated. They're not, you know, nobody is perfect. And and you're going to have bad One performance. One team was. Well, yeah. I mean, now. Because it's Anymore. a different time, a different <laughs> era. Um, and, and, yeah, so I would say you know, you've got to hold the team accountable when they don't play up to their ability and make sure that they have some pride in the fact that, you know, they can play to a certain level. And when they don't, they need to be held accountable to. It. Yeah. And, and the other thing that's important for context is it's not like Archie's coming in here and a bunch of guys who, you know, played consistently last year are playing really inconsistently and having no show performances every now and then. Like we've, we've just seen from some of these individual players, a lot of ups and downs and, you know, bringing in a new coach as good as he may be, isn't going to magically fix that. And so that that's important too. You just, you want to see growth and you want to see improvement. And in a lot of ways we have, and again, I think, you know, you, talk about you know what's the overarching takeaway i think that is it that there has been growth there has been real progression in the areas where we've all wanted to see it you know the focus is better the defense despite what the numbers say is better like the eye test tells you 
that it's better and that they're laying a foundation for what it can be in the future. Um, and you're seeing real accountability. Guys get taken out immediately when they don't get back in transition. Like Those are things that we've been wanting to see and we're seeing them. And it, it's obviously just going to take a little while for the results to catch up to some of those standards that are being set. Yeah. And, and also, you know, it's, it's a matter of just, you know, isolating where the problems are and figuring them out. And then when they repeatedly happen to certain players, you've got to take, you know, accountability from the, for the, you've got to take them to task for, for not being accountable. And so, um, he's still, you know, I know we're, we're a couple months in, but he's still new with these guys and he's still building that level of trust and all that stuff. And, and, you know, this is, you know, the level of trust can be built over years, uh, in a program and, and, you know, I'm sorry, but I, I don't think a lot of these guys were deep into what the Akron program or I mean, what the um, what the program did at Dayton. You know, I mean, they weren't they weren't elbow deep in knowing how he coached and what he did. Um, boy, so, boy, if it's so, not Ohio State, all those Ohio schools are just the same to you, aren't they? They're just the same. They're just the same. <laughs> Miami, Akron, Dayton. Um, but no, I, I you know, it's it's I, I don't think that, that these guys necessarily intrinsically we're like, Oh my God, whatever this guy says, we got to listen to it's, you have to develop that trust. And, and I think that, uh, that he's starting to do that and, and it goes both ways. And when he knows who he can trust on the field and, or I mean on the court and who, uh, you know, and they know they can trust him, it, it, it more gets done. And you've seen that slowly happen over the first part of the year. But then, yeah, when somebody fails, there's going to be accountability there. Typical West Coast elite who can't bother himself with the details of the flyover states. Hey, you know what? Uh, how often am I there, really? Do I really need to know? Uh, all right, you're listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips. Okay, one more question, Ryan. I have the stomach flu, all right? You know what? Give me a break, all right? I came back from from, from my holiday break with a stomach flu. I'm trying here. Uh, all right, one more question before we hop into some Coach K talk. Uh, and this comes from Parakeet Jones, also from our Slack group. Uh, and th- I think this is a good question to end on here as we assess this team. Now as we look forward, what is a realistic conference record this year, do you think? Oh, I think... I think I, I, I have a feeling they're going to finish above 500. Um, I don't know why. Maybe I'm crazy. Uh, maybe I'm the optimist this year. I'm taking the mantle from you, but I, I have a feeling they're going to finish above 500. Um, but here's, here's what I want to see though, is all I care about is I want them to get better throughout the year. And I want to actually feel dangerous in the big 10 tournament for once that that's what I want. I want to see this team continually getting better. And when we hit the big 10 tournament, maybe they don't have a tournament spot. Uh, lined up, but hey, if they go into that Big Ten tournament and feel dangerous and feel like, hey, maybe we can earn a spot in in the NCAA tournament, I would be happy with that. I want this team to be better now, a uh, better at the end of the year than it is now. Yeah, I've, uh, you know, I, I originally predicted fifth place in the Big Ten. That certainly seems optimistic now, but again, the context, the conference is not this that is good terrible. this year. You've got Michigan State, you've got Purdue. They are really good. I mean, Michigan State is perhaps great. Purdue has a chance to be a great team. Uh, and then you've got a whole lot of I don't know. Um, and so, you know, and Indiana's a big part of that I don't know. And so I think there's a big chance for Indiana to still finish, you know, fifth or sixth. Does maybe eighth, ninth, or tenth seem a little bit more likely right now? Probably, but there's not a whole lot separating those teams. And I think Indiana, of all the Big Ten teams, you know, that's kind of down there in that soft middle of the Big Ten, they have as much room to grow as anybody because, you know, even their upperclassmen can still seemingly grow a lot in this new system. So what do I think is realistic? 
I think, you know, realistic is probably 500. I think a 500 record in the Big Ten is realistic, probably makes the most sense based on what we've seen. I mean, it's close to a 500 team after 13 games. Based on what we've seen, that's probably most likely. Uh, but I think Indiana has a good chance still to finish a couple games above uh, 500, you know, assuming they stay healthy, assuming they continue to progress as we've seen, and assuming that the lessons learned from that Fort Wayne game stick not to the point where there's no more poor performances. They're going to have a couple of bad games in the Big Ten, but not to that level. Because if they can just roll the dice enough and be in enough games against, you know, just decent but not even really good teams, they're going to win their fair share of them. And I think with the defense I expect them to play, uh, because you saw what they played against Iowa and Michigan, um, I, I think they'll they'll have a chance to be in a lot of those games. And I think they'll, like I said, win their fair share um, and be a game or two over 500 uh, come the end of the year. All right, that is our assessment of the Hoosiers, where they are now. Ryan, we've long talked about your thoughts on Coach K. People have asked us for the details. We're going to give them in the next segment. That's coming up on the Assembly Calls. You are listening to the Assembly Call. Go to assemblycall.com slash join right now to learn how to subscribe to our email newsletter. If you want to get more out of being an IU basketball fan, then you really do need to be on our newsletter list because you will get our weekly six-banner Sunday news roundups during the season and into the offseason as well. Plus, you will get our post-game analysis emails that we send the day after every game. It is all free, and it will make you a smarter IU basketball fan. Again, the URL is assemblycall.com slash join. All right, um, so I'm going to basically get out of the way here because it is story time with Ryan Phillips, and this is no. You got to ask no, questions in no, here. No, I'm kidding. Questions. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay, um, but this is by popular demand. You, uh, you know, longtime listeners know you are not a fan of Coach K, and look, a lot of people aren't a Ooh. fan of Coach K, but you are really not a fan of Coach K, and it comes out very <laughs> strongly anytime the topic comes up. Uh, and and you've kind of you tend to drop a little, a lot of hints for no reason. You do, and we've it. never gotten the full story and we've never really found the perfect time to discuss it on a show you know either a post-game show obviously or one of these radio shows but tonight kind of seems like the perfect time because we've had several people ask us I've, I've had several emails from people like wanting to know this and so we thought maybe we'd need to do a special edition but let's just do it now because you know it not a lot has happened in the IU basketball world and Andy's not here um so let's just let's discuss it so that that kind of provides the context and where where would you like to begin i guess is the first question. Uh, boy i'll start with uh the 2005-2006 season uh i was the id i mentioned this before on the show i was the indian daily students basketball columnist and that year duke traveled to indiana were you at that to, game i was at that game on the floor never did you know it. that I never mentioned i've that. never mentioned it. so uh in the lead up to that game, I, I got in touch with some people at Duke and I had long heard and I just asked off the record, I'm going to ask them, how does Coach K treat student media? And pretty much they said he was the worst human being on the planet. Um, and I had heard that from some other people and, and sort of his thing was, look, he's a great coach. And most people who know him personally say, you know, he's a good guy, too. We like him. Um but he treated a lot of people in the media and who would cover the team horrendously, especially if they ever questioned anything he did. Like, hey, coach, why did you take so-and-so out at this point? He had 20 points and was playing really well, and he would snap at them and then bury them. Just not, just not take questions from them ever, 
you know, completely ostracized them. If you ever questioned anything he did, sounds it, sounds it, like somebody we know. Yeah, and uh, maybe a guy who Mike might know a little bit, uh, who was related to Indiana basketball for some reason. Um, so yeah, the way he treats the media, I, I've always found that if you don't fawn all over him, he pretty much ostracizes you. Um, let me, let me first go out after saying that, I guess. So second, let me say that coach K has done a lot for charity. He does a lot for the Jimmy V foundation, which is fantastic. Uh, I do not hold that against him, his life outside of being a head coach. I don't hold any of that against him. I don't know him personally. Um, I am solely against the way he handles himself as a coach, the way he relates to the media, the way he relates to things on the floor. Uh, I also think he's vastly overrated as a head coach. So let me dive into that. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'm not talking about plucky coach K who won back-to-back titles in 91 and 92 at Duke against UNLV and Michigan. And, you know, was kind of bringing that program back out of nowhere and all that stuff. I'm not talking about that guy. I'm talking about coach K now. And one thing about that 2005, 2006 season, when he played at Indiana, I was sitting on the floor right there. I could see everything that was going on. And Indiana mounted a huge comeback in that game to take the lead on the famous Marco Killingsworth dunk we always talk about. Uh, Well, I always talk about. They just (laughs) act like they are unimpressed by it. Um, And at that moment, Coach K called timeout, and he immediately went out to the officials. In what had been a phenomenal game, by the way, a fantastic basketball game that I don't think Indiana was going to win. But at that point, they had taken the lead with a few minutes left. He went out to the officials, and he spent that entire time out lecturing the officials. He didn't talk to his team. He spent the entire time talking to the officials. After that, he instructed. I watched him instruct J.J. Redick out of the timeout. J.J., drive every time. And every time J.J. Redick got the ball and drove, a foul was called. There was one point where he drove into the lane, stepped back, and banked in a shot, and it count and and you know it went in and a foul. There was no one within three feet of JJ Redick when it happened. I know because I was sitting right there. It, this happened legitimately three feet from me. So that was my first indication. I'd always kind of been a oh you know Duke gets calls guy you know as a joke. But then I started watching and paying attention. But it, isn't that it kind of good coaching to play devil's advocate here? I mean, if you no, it's not. It's not at a certain point. Because Coach K is famous enough and is well enough known that he can determine, he can help determine whether guys get assignments or not by complaining. And, and that's the thing, is that when a guy has that much power over you, you're going to give in to what he says and what he does. And, and so if it's, let's say, it's Coach K versus some young up-and-coming coach, who are you going to side with if you're the official and, and this is your livelihood at stake and you may not get a final four assignment because coach K is one of the guys in the coaching fraternity. If he complains to you, to the authorities, you may not get your assignments. You may not get X. You may not get Y. You may not get Z. And by the way, with the amount of talent that coach K gets at Duke, by the way, he shouldn't have to worry about what officials do. I mean, this is a guy who loads his team up with five stars every single year if he's worrying about individual calls during games being the problem, he's not a very good coach. I mean, look at the level of talent he has. He should be in the final four every single year. Um, one of the other things I dislike about is how disingenuous he is for years at, like I do, he ripped John Calipari at Kentucky for what he was doing with one and dunce. Now what does coach K do? He brings in one and dunce. Why? Because they win. 
That's the only thing he cares about. He used to talk about, no, we want guys who are going to stay and be a part of the university and kids who really like school. He's getting guys who are on campus for nine months now, like everybody else. That's fine, but don't hold yourself up as high and mighty and this, you know, high, this, this high level guy who doesn't do things like that because you're better than everybody else. And then you go out and do the exact same thing. And then of course he goes to the writers who like him and who are friends with him and they write glowing profiles about how he's changed with the times. And he's become a much better coach because he's now accepting these more talented guys. It's like, when was he ever not getting talented players? Like at what point was that ever happening? So, okay. Those, those are, that's just sort of the setup. The big issue I have is and the big that the thing that turned the page for me completely was uh, I went to the national championship. I went to the final four when it was in Indianapolis in 2015. Um, it was a really rough one for me because the four teams in the finals were Duke, Wisconsin, uh, an undefeated Kentucky team at the time and Michigan State, none of whom I'm particularly fond of. I guess Michigan State was my default there because I don't hate Michigan State. Um it wound up being, as many of you know, Duke and Wisconsin in the final. Uh, and I had to sit there and watch one of those teams win the national title. I was so convinced I was going to sell my tickets, you know, and just not go. Um, that game was actually a very competitive game. It was 31-31 at the half. Um, in that game, at the half, Duke had had seven fouls called on them. Wisconsin had had two. That entire year, Wisconsin had no fouls called on them. The two things they did was they didn't turn the ball over and they never fouled. All year, consistently. And whether I like that or not, that's the way it was all year. At halftime, I got texts from four separate... I had a lot of friends who were covering the game uh, because we were back in Indianapolis. They Four separate people texted me at the half who were down covering the game in the press area and said, Duke is not going to be called for a single foul in the second half. And I said, why? And they said, because heading off the floor, Mike Krzyzewski was screaming at the three officials who were... Joe DeRosa, Michael Stevens, and Pat Driscoll. As they were leaving the floor, he was berating them. And then coming out of the locker room, he pulled them aside and berated them some more. Just an example of of what kind of guy we're dealing with here. Second half, Wisconsin took a nine-point lead with 13 minutes left and were on an absolute roll. With 11 minutes left, all of a sudden, Wisconsin had 10 team fouls. Duke had two. Uh, the rest of the way, uh, oh, oh, and Wisconsin had averaged 12 fouls per game that year. Per game, they had 13 in the second half of that game. Uh, you can go back and watch the video. Most of them were ridiculous. Uh, in the second half, Duke shot 16 free throws. Wisconsin shot three. Duke wound up winning 68-63, and Wisconsin could not buy a foul call late. I'm sorry if you're as good a coach as Coach K supposedly is, and he's not a bad tactician. I don't ever say that. I just think he's a little overrated. If you're as good a tactician, you should not have to rely on that to win a championship. You should not have to rely on berating officials, leaving the floor, coming on the floor to win a national title. You shouldn't. You should be good enough to win with however the game is being called. And yeah, of course, you can argue a call or two. I get that and say, hey, you know what? You owe us one for that. That was a bad call and get one back once in a while. But you should not be berating guys to fundamentally change the game just so you can win. And we saw it again when Indiana played Duke this fall. When Indiana played Duke this fall, at one point, when Indiana started to come back into that game and made it close, and I think I actually took the lead at one point, if I'm remembering correctly, Coach K and Greg Doyle for the Indy Star wrote about this. You guys can go look it up. 
he was watching and he knows Coach K as well as anybody from having followed him for years when he was a national writer at CBS Sports. Coach K called a timeout and spent the entire timeout talking to the officials, not coaching his team, talking to the officials. After that, Indiana had eight straight fouls called against them. Again, if you're as good as Mike Krzyzewski, if you get the talent that he gets, you should not have to rely on that to win games or to help you win games. He, Duke was far more talented than Indiana. They should have blown Indiana out of that game. They did not. He had to rely on eight straight fouls at one point and Deron Davis not being in the game and Juwan Morgan being on the bench and all of that to get his team back to going the way they should. That's not basketball to me. You know, basketball is, and, and a guy, Notre Dame, I have no love for Notre Dame. A guy like Mike Bray doesn't do that. And he draws up a great back cut. He draws up a great play to get his team going again. He makes substitutions. He moves things around. He calls, you know, good timeouts, gets guys in the huddle. He'll work the official. Sure, every coach does, but not like that. And Mike Bray is a guy who learned from Mike Krzyzewski, and he doesn't do that. So to me, that's my problem with Coach K. It's the way he coaches. It's the way he uses his position as an elder statesman of the game to lord over these people if they he doesn't like what they're doing. And I, I just, I, I don't respect that. I respect him as a person for all of the charity he's done, all of that stuff. That stuff, perfect. I agree. I donate to the Jimmy V Foundation every year if I can, uh, which he has long been a, a director of. I'm not sure if he still is, but I know he promotes that charity a lot. Um, all of that stuff, totally on board with. I don't know him personally. But the way he handles himself, the way he carries himself, and the way he coaches bothers me and always has. And and I I'm... If you don't agree with me, that's totally fine. You can be wrong. That's fine. Uh, but I am, you know, I, I that's the way I feel about it. And that's the way I've always felt about it. And I'll always take shots at the guy until I see any evidence that it's changed. And I haven't in a long time. You're listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here as Ryan Phillips is breaking down why he is not a fan of Coach K. So there's so many. I need some water. Th- there's, yes. y- you do. There's so many follow-ups here. We only have a couple minutes left in this segment. But let me just ask to clarify. So are you suggesting that, you know, that there's something nefarious going on behind the scenes? Like he's, you know, using his influence specifically to like handpick who gets, jo- who gets officiating no. jobs and who doesn't? Or are you saying that because of his stature, because of the perceived influence, when he goes out there and talks, he knows he's going to get results because people are afraid of what he might do or what, what his influence could, the, the, the negative impact that his influence could have on that particular official? That is absolutely what I'm saying is that it's the perceived influence he has. And by the way, officials are asked to grade or uh, coaches are asked to grade officials all the time. I mean, you know, and if he were to go into a press conference and say, hey, so and so is an awful ref and an awful official. Yeah, he might get fined for it. But at the same time, that's going to carry a lot of weight. And, And he can go to the ACC and say, hey, by the way, this guy should never be officiating again, you know. I'm not I don't know if that would have any, you know, difference on it, but the fact of who he is and his stature affects these guys. It's clear. It obviously does. I mean, if you watch games, there is no excuse for officials calling eight straight fouls against one team and none against, you know, eight straight fouls, meaning that there were none against the other team in a segment of a game. That should never happen. The only reason it happened was because of who Coach K is and what he did in that game. Now, Again, I'm not saying that's why Indiana lost against Duke this year. It's not. Duke is a better team. They just flat out are, and they would have beaten Indiana probably if not for that. But that's not the way you go about it. 
you know, go win the game because your team's better, not because you have influence. And um, some people would say, you know, <clears throat> he's just, you know, using every tool as disposal so his team wins. That's fine. But that doesn't mean I have to respect that. And it doesn't mean that I have to like that. I'm just that's my opinion on on the guy. And I think it's Weasley. I think it's, you know, if you're so good and your players are so good and your team is so good, win. You know, win the way everyone else wins. Don't stack the deck in your favor. Don't attempt to stack the deck in your favor. Deal with it. You know, again, there's nothing wrong with complaining about a bad call. Everybody does that. Everybody works the official, says, hey, you owe us one. That was a bad call, blah, blah, blah. No, he should have been this, should have been that. And they usually get a call payback if it really was a bad call. But shifting the tenor of a game because it's not going the way you like it is not acceptable, in my opinion. It's not acceptable behavior from somebody who's, you know, uh, uh, an elder statesman of the game and is supposed to be so well respected. Well said. All right, coming up in our final segment, we've got a few more questions about this year's Indiana team. We are going to get to those next on the assembly call. Stick with us. Listening to the Assembly Call, I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips, wrapping up another week of talking IU basketball. And Ryan, we've got several more questions uh, from folks submitted either on Twitter or through our Slack community. So let's hit those real quick here in our final segment. We've only got a few minutes left. Uh, Jason Barnett asks, can Josh Newkirk play at the level he did in the last game throughout the Big Ten season? I would say there is precedent last year of Josh getting better as the season goes along and playing uh, at, a, at a higher level. But for him to play like he did against Tennessee Tech, that's basically an all Big Ten level. Uh, and I'm not at all prepared to say that he's ready to do that consistently. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I thought it was a nice bounce back, but at the same time, uh, we've got to see that from him more consistently if we're gonna, you know, if we're gonna start expecting that. And against better competition, more consistently. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I, look, Newkirk, as I said earlier in the show, he plays hard, and I feel bad for him because he plays really hard. Um, but you know, he's got to do more than that at some point. Yep. All right, Lauren asks, which team do you think will show up after the long break? Mentally focused and refreshed or same struggles we had against I, uh, Fort Wayne and Indiana State? I think it's going to be more like the Tennessee Tech team myself, especially after hearing Archie's positive comments about uh, the workouts that they've had. And, and look, <laughs> you know, who knows? Because it's hard to know with this team. That's one of the big lessons from the first 13 games. But what do you think? Yeah, I think the same thing. I, I feel the same way. I think that um, that they're going to be more focused, certainly against Youngstown. And then we'll see when they go on the road and have to face a tough environment back to back games. We'll see how they play the, that out, uh, see how that plays out and see how they can you know, keep it together. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> look, hopefully it's the more mentally focused team. Um, and, and hopefully it will look like the Fort Wayne loss was just kind of an aberration. Yep. Uh, Willie asks, will Rob Finnessy challenge to start next year? Uh, I say yes for a few reasons. Number one, just simple roster construction. I mean, right now with Robert Johnson and Josh Newkirk slated to graduate, you've got Devonte Green and you've got Al Durham coming back and then you've got Rob Finnessy at guard. I mean, that's what you have as ball handlers unless Indiana can bring in a grad transfer or there's someone else in the class of 2018 that they hop in on late. So the opportunity will be there. The question is, can Rob seize it? Coming into his senior season in high school, I wasn't so sure, but when you see what he's done this year, 
adding really potent scoring to his pass first mentality and his ability to set up teammates. You know, he's already proven that he can be a great floor general for a really good team, you know, led the team to the state championship game. But now we're seeing that he can be a big time scorer as well. And so I think he's really showed a more well-rounded game. And that gives me a lot more confidence that he's closer to being ready to take the ball day one. I don't know that that's the position ideally you want him to be in, but I feel a little bit better if it's the position he's thrust into, and I can't say I've seen enough from Devontae or Al to feel supremely confident that they'll be able to hold him off. Obviously, a long way to go before that, but I think there's a good chance uh, that... I, I definitely think he'll challenge to start, and more and more, I think there's a good chance it might actually happen. Yeah, I guess it depends on what your definition of challenging is. If he's a guy who, yeah, he's in the mix for playing time and and maybe pushing, uh, you know, the the guys up there, then yeah, sure, of course. I, I think that that's, you bring in a guy like him. I've said from even before he committed, I thought he was one of the most underrated players in the nation. I, I thought that having him down around 99 or wherever he was in the rankings at the time that I said that was low. And, and he's certainly showing the ability to be a more offensive force. Um, so I, I would say I don't think he'll start next year. I think Devontae Green will step up and take that position. I've kind of been on the Devontae train for a while, uh, but I think he'll certainly play and, and push. You might, you might be starting the Devontae might be, Green Might be edging club. that way, sure. <laughs> might, sure yeah. We need a new fan club after Robert Johnson graduates. Uh, all righty. That will do it for us on this week's edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Or you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com support that lists five ways that you can support The Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show... We appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client.